0: We're doing the porch? How we doing? Hey, I want to welcome you. If you're a guest with us, welcome home. If you're tuning in from Fort Worth or Houston or one of the streaming campuses or you're driving in your car listening uh, somewhere around the country, we're glad you are as we continue this series, First Comes Love. If we haven't met, my name is JP or Jonathan Pakluda, and uh, it's just a privilege to be here tonight and uh, jump into this series. So uh, we're talking about relationships. So let me start with this question, okay? Uh, who is the best basketball player on earth. Do you know who the best basketball player on earth, earth is? Yes, you are correct. It is LeBron James, indeed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Which, which leads me to my second question for you. Do you know who the worst basketball player on the planet earth is? Yes, indeed. Again, you are correct. It is me. Okay. And so here's the interesting fact. LeBron and I, we're the same size. Uh, We really are. If we haven't met, find out afterwards. I know it's proportioned a little bit different, but... um But we are the same. And so you say, well, how did you become the worst? If you're the same size as LeBron, how did you become the worst basketball player on the planet Earth? Did you never practice? No, I did practice. Did you not play? I actually did play. Uh, Here is how I became the worst basketball player on the planet Earth. It is because I learned the wrong way. So at a very early age, little JP, growing up on a farm in the middle of uh, nowhere, Cuero, Texas, South Texas, and uh, and I'm just kind of watching the guys on TV, and they're getting these rebounds, and they, they you know they jump up and they bring it down here. And, uh, and so that's what I do. And I just practice that. And not only that, but I watch the Harlem Globetrotters and they're doing these like crazy, like hook shots and, and fadeaways. And so I never, no one ever sat me down and showed me the fundamentals. I'm just practicing the hook shots, you know, all day. If it goes in the baskets, it's pure luck, but that's what I do all day long. And so then, you know, out there on the farm, got this little hoop. That's what I do all the time. And then I get into school and get to this age where I can play basketball and I never really, have except by myself uh, or with the neighbor, uh, you know, just doing crazy shots. And, you know, they're like, okay, why don't you shoot a free throw? And I'm like, you know, and they're like, well, why are you doing that? And I'm like, well, that's, isn't that what you do? And, and, uh, and I was terrible. And I was so bad because I practiced Poorly. See, when you're 6'7", and you bring the ball down here from a rebound, it's just like saying to the opponent, here you go, you can have the ball, and, and, and you're not using your height to your advantage. I remember the, the coach saying, Pakuda, because he couldn't say my last name. He'd say, Pakuda, height don't mean a hill of beans, and I don't even know what that means, but I just know he was angry at me because I kept giving the opponent the basketball, and the reason I say that is because I believe today we are in a relationship crisis, And I believe the reason we're in a relationship crisis is because we're practicing poorly. We are practicing poorly. Lean in here because you've got to give me this. As we consider the end goal of marriage to becoming one flesh and running together for a lifetime, our generation, millennials, or whatever you want to call yourself, we're not getting better at this. We're getting married later, and those marriages are ending more often the greatest disasters and tragedy of marriages the world has ever seen. It seems almost like we should go back to doing something they used to do long ago because whatever we're doing today is not working. But you haven't given a lot of thought about that. You're just gonna continue the model, the process. No one here wants to be divorced and yet half of you will be. Half of you. Why? Because you're practicing poorly unbeknownst to you. And so this evening, I want to talk about poor practices when you're looking for love. What are the poor practices that I see in young adults uh, when you are looking for love? And we're going to address those poor practices with the scriptures, with God's word. And if you do these things, you either won't find love at all or you won't find love that lasts. And we're not only just practicing poorly, friends. What's happening is it's the foundation. We're learning from the wrong people. Our experts are the ones who are most terrible at this. The ones that we watch in awe of, oh, isn't what they have so beautiful? And then we begin to take instruction that we begin to date like they do to the same end result that they have. Let me me just kind of explain what I mean by this is, I watch HGTV and there's this couple on HGTV about a year ago. I'm watching and I'm like, man, this couple's got it going on. It's not Chip and Jojo. That's not who I'm talking about. It's this other couple and they're, they're flipping houses and I'm like, what a dream, you know? She's cute and, and he's attractive and they get to work together and they're making all this money and driving escalades and and, and they get to like flip houses for a living and, and they're just living the dream and they're laughing and giggling and, and I'm like, oh man, and I'm tempted to think in my foolishness, like I want, oh that's, I want that. Like maybe Monica and I should just kind of leave this whole ministry thing and just start flipping houses, you know? And because and I, I want what, what what Tarek and Christina have you know cute couple but then fast forward divorced but but it's not it's not just them right it's not just them there's there's Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert I know I, I know I know right he's singing God gave me you and Honey Bee, Miranda's his Honey Bee, right? And if country music can't hold two together, right? Divorced. And not just them, right? Then there's Brad Pitt and who do I want to say now? I got options, but we'll go Angelina. Brad, <laughs> Bradgelina, you know? I mean, Mr. and Mrs. Smith voted most beautiful people. I mean, they're just out there making great movies. Divorced, having kids, adopting kids, no longer together. They're they're teaching us how to date and what it looks like to love. And you got Bennifer, we got Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner just making it happen in the movie scenes, beautiful people. We're watching along like, oh, look what they have. Gone, over, done. And and I'm telling you, like you think, man, it's funny. You don't think these are the people telling you how to date, giving you relationship uh, instruction. You got Russell Brand and Katy Perry right just you know fun and a little bit crazy right he's her dark horse <laughs> broke up with her in a text message now hear her roar it's not it's not going well. And I could go, I got a list here in front of me. we could go Aston, uh, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, uh, Gwen Stefani, Gavin Rosdell. We could go Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise. Just a little crazy. we go Mariah Carey, Nick Cannon, Anna Faris and Chris Pratt, Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett. I know, I know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, if you, if you may, I'm, the, I'm the messenger. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett Johansson. Of the 21 seasons of The Bachelor? (laughs) 19 heartbreaks, guys. These are the ones, they're saying, hey, sit down and date like I do. And guys, here's the not funny part. We're doing it. We're learning from the wrong instructors and we're practicing poorly. And we're gonna be left with the same result the same heartbreak the same ending we have a bad example we practice poorly then we can't play the game and so I want to give you five ways I see young adults practice poorly if you you do these five things if you want to stay single or marry poorly and and here's the first one number one you hide hurts and habits hide your hurts and your habits. You are practicing poorly if you are hiding your hurts and your habits. And so let me take you back 13 years ago. I married the beautiful, now Monica Pecluda, and we're going on the honeymoon to Playa del Carmen. And, uh, and we took, we didn't know what to take to Mexico for seven days. And so we took six suitcases, lots of luggage, lots of baggage. We take them there to the DFW airport. And remember those, you know, those long uh, escalators, really long escalators, like just go forever. And I've got the, the, I've got like, she's got one and I've got five. Cause I'm like showing off peacocking as the new husband, you know, and I'm like, I got this. And, and we get on that escalator and we get to the top. And one of those suitcases grabs the side of the escalator, the part that's not moving. And it kind of jolts me forward. I hit her. We tumble down true story, head over heels from the top of the escalator to the bottom of the escalator. I'm laying there. Like, I can't get up. I'm bleeding. There's blood. Okay? Because I was like trying to keep her safe. And now I'm bleeding. Yeah. Oh, and I'm bleeding. There's blood. And, and here's the deal. All that baggage you're hiding, you're going to take on the honeymoon. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt in the marriage. And so what kind of baggage am I talking about? I'm talking about hurts, guys. You, you know right now. Are you carrying with you right now a hurt? And are you dealing with that hurt by getting in another relationship? You know somebody broke your heart. You look back, you think about him all the time. You think about all, you you've stalked her on the internet. Did you know you're messed up? And you're just trying to move through life. You know that thing, and I, I don't mean to be so flippant about this at all, guys. listen, I love you. I am so for you, and I just want you to deal with your hurt. And if you think that thing that your uncle did, or that guy did, or that time you drank too much, and you said no, but he just kept pushing, you think that that's not going to mess with you, that you're just going to be able to suppress that. Put that up in a closet lock it up and not have to deal with it, you are sadly mistaken. You think that you can, maybe it's something that, maybe it's not something you did, but something that, that uh, maybe not something that happened to you, but something that you were a part of, like an abortion, whether you're male or female. You know on that birthday every year, you think back and you know the hurt that you've suppressed, it's still there. And the only way you're going to be able to move forward and find a healthy marriage is if right now, today, in this season, you deal with it. You deal with it. And it's not just the hurts. It's the habits. It blows my mind, and it shouldn't because I was the same way. But it blows my mind that that some of you think that marriage is going to solve your habit. I've had guys look me in the eyes and say, yeah, I'll struggle with masturbation. I'll probably struggle with masturbation until I'm married. Friends, you're gonna struggle more when you're married. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm gonna be having sex all the time. No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. See, last week, no, that's not the way that it works. And, and, and what you've done is you've taught yourself a shortcut, and it's not interchangeable. You don't just take that shortcut that you've taught yourself and plug in sex, and it all transfers. It, does, it doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way for nobody. It's not going to work that way for you. You don't believe me right now. You think, no, no, it will. No, it won't. Man, I'm going to struggle with porn until I'm married. No, you're going to struggle with porn more when you're married. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be married a porn. You're going to be married in a porn addict. That's what's going to happen. This is my story. You're not gonna be the exception. You're not gonna be the first dude to walk down the aisle, the first girl, because I know what your problem to. You walk down the aisle, you say I do, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, that that addiction that I fed for the past 16 years, now I'm free from it. No, you're not. That's not the way it works. So what do you do? You get well. You show up here 6.30 p.m. Monday night. You stop coming to the porch if you need to. You start showing a Regen instead. Stop coming here. If you're listening, you find a, a celebrate recovery or recovery ministry or regeneration in your city and you go there. Maybe it's shelter from the storm. Some, some of you, you're like, I've heard it. I've thought about it. Hey, 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 stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Now's your time. That's why you're here. It's why God in his mercy is speaking these words to you right now or at least allowing you to hear these words right now so that you'd act on them. You deal with your habits. Some of you, you drink when you're stressed. You know what comes with marriage? Stress. You're going to drink more. You deal with that right now. 2 Peter 2, verse 19 says People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If you're a slave, start with God. I'm a slave. I'm a slave, I can't stop. How do you know if you're a slave? Listen, if, look, look backwards in the past month. Have you looked at porn? Have you masturbated in the past month? Have you been drunk in the past month? In the past 30 days? Is that's where you've been? If so, start with I've got a problem. I need, I need help. I've got to deal with this baggage. In regards to hurts, it may be forgiving someone. You think, man, you don't know how I've been hurt. Man, I've hurt. You're not going to surprise me. And I'm telling you, God calls you to forgive people. 1 John 1, verse 5 says, God is light in the God that we worship, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, if we're known as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son, Jesus, purifies us from all sin. What am I asking you to do that that hurt and that habit that you're hiding to bring it to the light, to tell someone tonight and say, Hey, I need help. Will you hold me accountable to taking the next step in forgiving or recovering or getting help? Will you help me? Because I've been too afraid. I've been hiding this. I've been thinking I can deal with it on my own or I don't have to deal with it at all. Don't hide hurts and habits. Heal from hurts and deal with habits. Write that down. Don't hide hurts and habits. Heal from hurts and deal with habits. The next thing you do if you want to practice poorly is you stay selfish. Number two, stay selfish. You are practicing poorly if you are doing things that allow you to stay selfish. Are you right now feeding selfishness? You got to think about this one. How how do we feed selfishness? We live alone. That's one way. It's like, man, I just want the freedom to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. I want to store up money so that I can go somewhere when I want to go there. I, I, want, to, I want to buy what I want to buy, eat where I want to eat. You, you feed your preferences. I've said it before. Preferences can rob you of paradise. When you start feeding your preferences, which, which is common, everyone's teaching you to do so. You are feeding selfishness, and there's no room for selfishness in marriage. And you say, well, what can I do? One thing you can do is you can get a roommate. You can get a really dysfunctional roommate. That will prepare you for marriage, okay? Get a roommate that leaves their clothes everywhere, all over the floor, and doesn't do the dishes. Some of you are like, leaning over to your roommate and say, you're welcome right now, okay? <laughs> you do that, that's, that's, what, that's the kind of roommate Monica has. Um, you'll, you'll figure it out in a minute. Uh, and so I don't want to lose you, because you know, I said, get a dysfunctional roommate. And you think, oh, he doesn't mean that. No, no, I really do. I, I mean, here, here you're going to have a dysfunctional roommate for the rest of your life, because you're going to have a human roommate. If you want to get married, if you get married, you're going to find yourself with another human being, and they're going to be different than you, and that's going to create dysfunction. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can learn to, to resolve conflict right now, when you don't just kind of go your separate ways, you sit in the living room and you work through it, you look each other in the eyes and you work through it in a biblical way, that honors God and it's, it's training you. It's training you for future relationships. We even date selfish. Like I hear this, like I'll, I'll ask people, what do you love about him? Well, I love the way he makes me feel. It's a selfish response. What, what about when you don't feel that anymore? Are you, gonna, are you still going to love him? What about when he doesn't make you feel that way anymore? And so then what we do is we, we jump into something because of the way it makes us feel, and then we jump out of it when we don't feel it anymore, and then we jump into something else because of the way it makes us feel, and then we jump out of it when we don't feel it anymore. Is that training for marriage or training for divorce? It's training for divorce. You've gone to a university for a divorce. Like if you look backwards and you see lots of relationships, okay, then you've got to start with, man, I've got a really bad track record. I can't choose them. Everyone I've chosen has ended. And so what am I waiting for? And I've talked to people, and it's like you're waiting. It's almost like you think marriage is like the flu. Like I'm just going to catch it. Like it's going to happen to me. Like, like I'm going to be somewhere, and love's just going to come upon me. And it's, it's not that way. It's something that you intentionally seek out as a follower of Christ. As you seek out Christ, you seek out the things that Christ creates in His people. As you look within His people and so how do you do that you serve how do you kill selfishness you serve so you're listening right now you're hearing my words and here's a simple question are you serving are you serving in the church is there is there a part of your week that's designated you going somewhere that you don't have to be except for you willfully willingly you are there donating your time giving of yourself pointing out this is tremendous training for marriage that you're, you are the most, you are the engine of the church, the most powerful force that, that the world has ever seen. Young adults, you are the engine. How are you doing? Are you the first one there, willing to set out chair, chairs, willing to stay late, willing to lead, willing to find gaps and not just point them out like a critic, but stand in them? You're serving. You know, I don't know if you are. and Some of you... You are. Some of you, we get to serve here together. But if you're not, friend, because I love you, I urge you to serve. Serve within the body. Don't stay selfish. Serve selflessly. The scripture says in Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another. It's talking about marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And then to this, it says to the husbands, uh, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It says in verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is such a high calling that you would love some woman like Christ, loved the church and bled out for her, gave his life for her, set aside his own desires for the betterment and the salvation of the church. This is crazy. If you did this, the world would change. And it starts with just small steps of selflessness. There's no room for selfishness in marriage. Let me, let me tell you how this verse applies to me. Love your wife as you love your own body. Man, I get in bed like right now when it's fall, like cold last night. Love it. Get under those covers. We've got like this foam mattress, like this tempur thing. It's, it's like a knockoff tempur It's amazing. And, uh, I get all snuggly under there. Like, I like it cold, you know, and, And all comfortable and just like right about to catch those Z's, you know, and uh, and then Monica, my my amazing wife, says, "Babe, are you sleeping?" I want to be like, you know, crickets, you know, like, but no, babe. What's up? I'm cold. That's interesting. No, no, you don't say that's interesting. You get your hiney up and you get to that thermostat and you change that thermostat because you know what I do when I'm cold? I change the thermostat. And so she's cold and I'm going to love her like I love my own body. I'm going to be finally aware, acutely aware of what her desires and her needs are in any moment so that I can meet them and put my own aside for her. That's where you say, oh, Blake Shelton and Miranda. He didn't do that. (laughs) Don't stay selfish. Serve selflessly. Write that down. Don't stay selfish. Serve selflessly. It's an amazing time to serve within the church right now. Number three, the things that we're doing as we practice poorly, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Are you right now look, do you look for love in the wrong places? places you are practicing poorly if you are looking in the wrong places because what you find in the wrong places are the wrong people and you get stuck in the wrong relationship some of you you've done this you, you're thinking back right now and you're like oh yeah i met him there and yeah that didn't work out so well i hate when people tell me so often they're like man you just, i just don't know where to meet someone man jp it's so hard like they you're just like where do you go and so then they just result they're like man i'm just going to go to the bars in the clubs, you know, because I hope that there's a good person there. And, and I'm just like, man, the amazing wives and the amazing husbands don't hang out at the clubs and the bars. Like you're stacking the odds against you. And you're thinking, no, 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 they, they might because I'm there and I'm a good person. Well, maybe not. But, um, but let's just say, let's just give you the benefit of the doubt and say you are. Okay, so maybe... Maybe out of the, the 2,700 people there at the club, you know, five clubs in one, wherever you're at, or standing at the bar. Maybe you find the one who's there doing some sort of bartender evangelism, like they just got some kind of ministry that they started, that they're going bar to bar and just sharing the gospel. You know, they're like, "Hey, I'll I'll take a, a you know a virgin margarita, and, and by the way, uh, did you know Jesus was born of a virgin?" and, and and, and they're just sharing the gospel and you're going to find them and they're going to be your husband or your wife and it's going to be beautiful and you guys are going to tell your story, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably what you're going to find in the bars and the club are selfish people, narcissistic people who are shopping out of desperation, hoping to find someone that's had one too many drinks that they might be able to convince to spend some time with them. And I just would urge you, I'd urge you to look among God's people. You have the benefit of that just because of where you are right now. And I'm not saying everyone here are God's people. But you, you know, Second Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. We, we've made that abundantly clear, but you don't want just somebody who's like, Check the box, Christian. You want someone who is radically running hard after Jesus, like their entire life is focused on the trajectory of Jesus. They're all in, they're radical, they're thinking about, hey, where are we going? They're serving in the ways that I said, and and they're, they're going on international trips, and they're caring for the widows and the orphans, and their money is God's, and everything they have is God's. And they're just all in, and if you want to find that person... And have lots of babies. And make disciples. That's just the scripture, guys. That's what he says. That's God's plan. That's the first great commission. That God's people would find each other and be fruitful and multiply. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. In the clubs and the bars, you're stacking the odds against you. Why do we do this? Because you watch the movies and that's where they meet each other. Would you please stop taking relationship advice from the Kardashians? It's not going to go well for you. It's, it's going to go as it has for them. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so if you hang out with the right people and the the right places, can, can you hear this? That's half the battle. Like that makes it so much easier. If you just did that one thing tonight, you just started hanging out in the right places with the right people, you've at least increasing your, uh, increased your odds of bumping into the right person. It actually does two things. One, it allows you cons- to consistently be around good prospects, right? You're looking to marry someone completely sold out for Jesus, and so you're hanging out with people who are completely sold out for Jesus. And that helps you. The, the other thing that it does, right, is it allows the church, to get to know you, to protect you, to care for you, and then to point out prospects to you, okay? That, that, that's why we are so, not why, but one of the reasons we hammer this idea of community that every single person here would on a weekly basis meet with a small group of people that you are going through the scriptures with and holding each other accountable. We call that community, that you would have a small group. Listen, your church is not 2,700 people, 4,700 people, uh, 5,000 people, or even 100 people. Your church should be about six to 10 people who will help you make rent when you need to, who will care for you when you've lost your job, who will bear burdens with you and celebrate victories with you, And, and they'll say, Hey, man, he's no good for you. Hey, she seems awesome. And they'll help you when, when your heart starts going crazy and you can't think straight. They'll help you think straight. And what they do. In Song of Solomon 1.4, it says their, their friends and their family looked upon their loved and, and praised it more than the party. They, they look at the two people and they're like, man, that just makes sense. This weekend in that chapel, a couple days ago, I did a wedding it was an arranged marriage. You guys know what that means, arranged marriage? Yeah, I did an arranged marriage. Probably not what you're thinking, though. This is how it was arranged. She lived in Dallas. He lived in Fort Worth. Some, some guys just kept saying the same thing. Man, y'all need to meet each other. They're both in the church, both plugged in, both plugged in, both members, both serving, both under the authority of the elders. And people kept bumping into them like, hey, man, y'all should, have you met Morgan? Hey, hey, Morgan, have you met Andy? And then another girl. Hey, listen, have you, have you met, Morgan, have you met Andy? And then, and then another girl to Andy. Have you met my friend in Dallas, Morgan? Man, y'all just, I think, because you both serve, and you both, I think y'all belong together. And then he's on an international trip in Ethiopia, and two girls come up to him and he's like, okay, Andy, we got the perfect girl. You're not gonna believe, it. so her name is Morgan. He's like, oh, gosh, God, I get it. You know, I hear you, loud and clear fine. And comes to house. hey, I'm Andy. Will you marry me? No, it didn't work that way, but it almost did. It almost did. And there we are. And you know what it was? It was a, this just makes sense wedding. And that's the only weddings I do. you want me to marry you? Like the only weddings I do are this this just makes sense. Like, man, you guys, yeah, I can see this. It's arranged marriage that God used the body to Bring those two together. Some of you need to hear right now, change your playmates in your playground. Don't look in the wrong places. Look only among God's people. Write that down. Don't look in the wrong places. Look only among God's people. The fourth way, you practice poorly, you set shallow standards. You are practicing poorly if you set shallow standards standards. What do I mean by shallow standards? I mean, I've heard it all. I love dogs. Like he's got to love dogs. Like, let me tell you something. You are going to marry someone who hates dogs. That's just the way it works. Okay. That is what's going to happen. All right. And I've heard it, man, she's got to be blonde. I've heard he's got to be tall. You know, whatever those silly standards are, he's got to love the walking dead or whatever. I don't know where you're at. Like we come up with these crazy things, okay? I, I like, um, man, I love this story. There was this couple, uh, well, they weren't a couple. There were two individuals, a male and a female, serving here at the porch, and... and. Um, her and her community group, they made a list. And so they made a list of deal breakers. And so she wrote down some deal breakers. I'll show it to you. Uh, this is the non-negotiables. These are deal breakers. Her first one on there is tattoos, okay? If he has tattoos, that's a deal breaker. The, n- the number two is if he's not a believer, <laughs> okay? Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you some free advice. That's, that's a bad order. Uh, heavy drinker, quick tempered, controlling. These are all deal breakers if he has tattoos. Uh, let me show you her husband here. They're married now. Okay, uh, that's my boy Kenny. Uh, that's not a shirt, okay? Brothers tatted up, and God's just laughing, okay? God's like, hey. And so some of you are like, okay, it's only this race, you know? Uh, n- no kids, I can't have kids. You know? Hey, listen, you, you know, you're like, really? That like that's that's not good. I can't do that. Here, here's what I tell you. Care about what God cares about. I mean, have standards rooted in Scripture. Have your standards rooted in Scripture. Remember what I said? Preference robs you of paradise? Have your standards rooted in Scripture. Let me, let me give you a good Scripture. Um, I, I taught on this. It's, it's actually the, the number one listened to podcast on the porch.live called Identifying the One. And it was this text. Um. It says, it's the text, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. It's 1 Timothy 4.12. It says this, but, but find someone, I'm saying, but find someone who sets an example for believers in the way they talk, in the way they act, in the way they love, in their faith, and in their purity. You want a good list straight from the scriptures? Here's some non-negotiables. I want to find someone. I want to inspect the way they talk. I want to watch the way they act. I want to watch the way they love others. I want to observe their faith, and I I want to know their purity. That's a fantastic list straight from the Scripture. So set standards that are rooted in scripture on the who, but not just the who, how about the how? You can right now, what can you do right now? You can make a list from the scriptures on who you want to marry and also how you want to date. And so like, what do you mean by that, right? You can date intentionally for marriage. We don't date for fun, we don't date for pleasure. A date is an interview. It's you trying to find someone that you're gonna spend the rest of your life with. You're you're interviewing them. We don't play games, right? games are fake. You don't hang up on somebody to see if they'll call you back or, or not respond to their text just to, to make them wait a little bit. Romans 12:9 says love must be sincere. Games create fake relationships. That's what they do. You can just be sincere. You can say what you mean. You can talk about where this is going. You can be intentional. And then you date with absolute purity. Talked about that last week. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 through 20 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It says this, listen, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You've been bought by a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Okay, What what does this mean? Anybody follow the Harvey uh, Weinstein thing? The producer in Hollywood accused of sexual assault and rape. And um, do you guys catch this? It's interesting if you didn't, you know, watch the news every now and then. But um, Ben <laughs> Ben Affleck Ben Affleck spoke up and he just said, "Hey, that's appalling. You know what he did? That's crazy." And and then what happened is someone said, "Hey, Ben, I just want to remind you. Do you remember when you groped?" Uh, Hillary on, on um, Total Request Live. Uh, you, you grabbed her breast. You remember that. And then, and then Hillary comes back and says, hey, I remember that. I was a child, right? Hillary Burton. And, and now Ben Affleck's caught all this bad rep because he grabbed this girl's breast. And let me ask you a question. What's wrong with that? Why is that not okay that he did that? I hope what you're thinking is because it's not his body. That doesn't belong to him. He can't just do what he wants to with it. It's not his. And here's my news flash for you. It's not hers either. It's God. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not your own. You've been bought by a price. That price was Christ. It was Jesus' blood. Therefore, honor God with that body. It's his body. So you think, well, I can do whatever I want to with it because it's mine. No, it's not. You got it on loan. And so before you put your hand up or shirt... Why don't you ask for permission from her father? That's a game changer. Before you get all handsy, right? Before you lay down on the couch, you're watching the movie. Before you go there, a little makeout session. Hey, God, are you okay with this? Man, before we go there, let's just spend a little bit of time in the scripture. Make sure it's a buzzkill. Don't have shallow standards. Have standards that are rooted in Scripture. On the who and the how, write it down. Don't have shallow standards. Have standards rooted in Scripture. Number five, you want to practice poorly, you passively pursue Christ. You are practicing poorly if you are passively pursuing Jesus. Some some of you, man, you you gotta self-identify right now because this one's important. I'm not saying you gotta raise your hand, I'm just saying in your mind you gotta say, okay, that's where I'm at. Some of you, you look at Jesus like he's a hobby. Like your whole week comes and goes, and Tuesday comes, you're like, oh yeah, the porch. Man, yeah, let me go give me some Jesus. You, You like like he's like your walking buddy. Me and Jesus. And you live your whole life and you just kind of add Jesus to it. It was never meant to be that way. You are not walking buddies with Jesus. You are running hard after Christ. Friends, if you're like, man, I don't know how to do this. You know, do I want to be hot or cold or lukewarm? Listen, you go all in. Listen, if you hear me, I want you to be radical, sold out. If you need, you're like, well, I don't How do I do that? Well, I don't want to sell everything I ha- sell everything you have if it, that's what it means for you. You, you move. You're like, well, I'm going to move to a hut in Africa? Sure. Man, if he calls you to get on a plane. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like you go all in. Somebody, you want me to share the gospel with everybody I work with? Everybody. Every single person you work with. Tell them all about Jesus. You're not going to get up there and God's going to be like, man, I'm just disappointed because you were just a little too zealous. You know, you told one too many people about me. That's not going to happen. You go all All in. There's nothing that you will give up down here. Nothing you will sacrifice for his name that you will regret. Not one thing. You go a 100%. Some of you, you, you've not bought into the faith of Ben and Jennifer or Brad and Angelina. You bought into the faith of American Christianity. And you are completely okay having lukewarm Christianity. And it is not okay. It's not Christianity. It's not Christianity of any kind. He says you're neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out of my mouth. And I'm not fear-mongering right now. I'm not trying to scare you into the faith. That won't work. I'm trying to, to get you to examine your life just to say, you know what? Self-identify in your mind. Am I, am I all in with Jesus? Did I wake up thinking about what he gave for me on the cross Or am I beat down by my sin? Or am I lost in the world? Or is marriage such an idol for me that Christ is in the back seat? He says, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the heroes of the faith, those who've gone before us, other brothers and sisters who love Jesus, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Let us deal with the hurts and our habits that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not just the beginner of our faith, the pioneer of our faith or the, the starter of our faith, but the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. The one who says it is finished. The one who gave his life for us. Let us run hard after him. And what happens right? This is what you do is you live your life and you run. You wake up and you run and you're running a race and you're serving and and somebody says hey the church needs this. You say I got it and all of your resources are his and you're running and and we're going to go to Haiti. I'm in. We're going to go to Ethiopia. I'm in. Hey we need people to serve over here. I'm in. And you running and you're at the porch on Tuesdays and region on Mondays and church on Sundays and you're just running the race and as you get down the track you look beside you and you start to see the same people oh we were in Ethiopia together we were in Haiti together oh yeah last Tuesday we were playing broom ball. oh you did that porch thing oh yeah I was serving there too oh I see you again and you just start seeing the same people and you you look back and you say hey you want to run forever with me And they say yes, and that's what it looks like. Hey, you just want to keep. We've been running towards Christ. You want to keep going. You want to. You want to just keep going. Like we can keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. And you keep going, and so. You throw off everything that entangles you, the hurts and habits. You serve and you kill selfishness. You run with Jesus His people, the great witnesses. And you commit to only looking for a partner who is running hard after him. And the point of this message is that if you're here and you're waiting to get married, you don't have to wait. You're not just waiting. Hear me clearly. Every single thing that I said tonight, you can begin to do today. It's preparing. It's not just waiting. It's preparing. And it's a really tough message to give because some of you are gonna take this and try to create a formula and say, well, if I do these five things, then God has to give me this. And it doesn't work that way. You may do these five things, walk outside and get hit by a meteor, okay? That may happen. I'm just saying, man, I I don't know what he has for you. I have no idea, man, that gets me more emails than just about anything. You're telling me, God, if I have a desire for marriage that it's not promised to me? There's nothing promised to you except for God himself. Can I tell you something? Some of you are disappointed by that. And it's just because you don't understand. Them. And others of you, and it's particularly you gentlemen, you need to hear stop being passive. You need to go through this list and you say, man, am I good? Like if I've, if I've dealt with my hurts and my habits and I'm serving and I'm in the church and I'm killing selfish, I mean, you need to turn to someone to your right or your left and say, will you spend the rest of your life with me or start with coffee? I mean, whatever works for you, you know. <laughs> but, but, but you need to move. You need to move. You need to act. And and, and what my fear is in saying that is some of you unhealthy men, you're going to hear that and take that as permission to act. And I I hope you get to a place where you're like, man, I'm going to get well. But if you're here, man, and you're running hard after Christ and and you're doing these things and you want to be married, start by finding a godly woman and asking her to spend time with you. All of those celebrities, you know, I mean, you, you could look at what they have in common. They had their greatest passion in common, be it music or acting or whatever, but it wasn't enough. I mean, they had incredible chemistry and, and shared interests, but it, it wasn't, they're beautiful. I mean, we, we go down the list, they're all very attractive. It wasn't enough. There's gotta be something more to hold you with someone. I've done about 30 weddings. Okay, about 30 weddings in, in ministry. And, and of, of those 30 weddings, I've done about 15. Monica and I have done about 15 of the two-on-two counseling. And everyone, we sit in our living room and we counsel before the wedding. Um, you know, we meet with them several times and they take a test. Um, it's called the prepare uh, test is to prepare you. And in, in that test, we can see, you know, where they need to prepare, you know, and we can ask them good questions around that. And, and it seems like of, of the 15 people we've met with, they've all missed the same questions. And it's all around these rose-colored glasses and the expectations of marriage, and it's just gonna be so different than what they think. Every single one of them, to a couple, has missed the same questions, some of the same questions. And I, I just reflected on that today, and I thought about those 15 to 30 couples, and I thought about what they've been through since I've done that wedding. Some of them have have been laid off. One of them moved, uh, the couple moved to another city, bought a house, and the first week they were there, lost their job. They got, uh, some of them struggled with infertility. They thought they'd get married and then have kids, and then they couldn't. One of them had, uh, got pregnant, carried, the child to full term and lost the baby. Another one lost a child at 16 weeks. They struggle with miscarriage, miscarriages. Um, some of them have gotten cancer. I was on the phone with one of them today. The his wife had a double mastectomy. Uh, that was about a week after her mother passed away. Dealing with cancer. You, you don't know what the future holds. And so when I talk in terms of practicing poorly and preparing, it's not just for marriage, it's for life. I have no idea if God has marriage for you or not. But I do know that today, you can begin to prepare for whatever he has for you tomorrow. So don't hide hurts and habits, heal from hurts and deal with habits. Don't stay selfish, serve selflessly. Don't look in the wrong places, only look among God's people, and don't have shallow standards. Have standards rooted in Scripture. Don't passively pursue Christ. Passionately pursue Christ. I think we all just, at the end of the day, we want to be chosen. Think back to me in basketball. Like I can remember just standing there, the lineup, and and um, you know, it's like I'll take him. I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him until I'm there all by myself, you know? And it's, it's extra embarrassing when you're like the tallest guy there by a foot. They're like, nobody wants the tall guy? I think that's our fear, right? And, and like we want to be, like we want someone to say, man, I know you, like I, everything about you, the way you giggle and the weird way you fold the towels and I love it, it's so cute, you know? That thing you do with your nose and the way you comb your hair and, it's, it's amazing, everything about you. And we just say, you know, of all the people in the world, I choose you. Before you leave here tonight, I want you to know God did that. He took you, pornographers and legalists, adulterers, struggle with masturbation, alcoholics, Drug users. Self righteous. He takes you and he cleans you up. It cost him his life. It cost him everything, man. It's really humbling to think he, he, God, has to take you and wash you, bathe you in his blood. He cleans you up and he purchases you. It's as though he grabs you by the face and he says, you're mine, you belong to me. And I'm gonna spend forever with you. Forever with you. I, in the next 70 years, I don't know what you get to experience, but I know that if you've trusted in Christ his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, you get to spend forever with God. Friends, when did that stop being enough? When did it start Having to be that and something else, I'm telling you. In a thousand years, a million years, a billion years—that's all that's going to matter. That God chose you, Father. Would you, I just want to thank you? I, I pray that that truth. Would you help, please? That truth hit our hearts in a new way. Help us to believe it. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus purchasing ourselves to you. Promising us forever with you in your kingdom. God, as we sing now how amazing you are and how great is your love, would you fix in our hearts that it's enough, that we are yours, and you are enough. Would you fix that in our hearts right now, God, please? In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.